Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of The Millionaire's Lawyer. We appreciate that you have joined us, that you are sharing this episode with us. It's a good one. We've got Kathleen Whalen on. Before we get to her, a trained physician and Vedic astrologist. Uh, I want to introduce the sponsors for the podcast. We're thrilled that uh, Conduct Law continues to sponsor a business law firm. And we're also thrilled that Dr. Quadro Kermanteg sponsors it along with his podcast, Solving Healthcare. Uh, check out his excellent podcast. He's just in a recent episode on the coronavirus that I think will be of interest to many listeners. With that, I think it makes sense to introduce Kathleen Whalen, a, uh, I guess, trained physician in her own right. She's got a BA in biochemistry and medicine and masters of acupuncture as well. Her practice now is uh, more on the, uh, as you'll hear, the Chinese healing side of things. And she does a lot of work with Vedic astrology. She'll tell us more about that in the podcast. Hello, Kathleen. Thanks again for being here. So wonderful to have you. Are you having a green day today, a red day? Is it a good day to be podcasting here with The Millionaire's Lawyer? Well, actually, it just so happens that we're leading into four green days in a row. So we are going to have the production of this show happen all on green days, which means it will be faster, clearer, and the influence when you publish this, if it's on a green day, will have a greater influence. Wow. And isn't that ominous? So the picture in the background, for those just listening, just fell. So that's pretty fabulous to see that happens. We're not going to edit that out. That's just too fantastic to have something like that happen. So it is a green day. A lot of green is going to occur from here. Now let's tell the listeners what we talk, what we mean what we're, when we're saying a green day. I mean, it's not the band we're talking about here. We're talking about the day specifically. So what is a green day and why is that important? A green day is actually just something I've labeled special days of confluence. So just like a stoplight, green, yellow, red, green means go. So these are days of confluence in the Vedic astrology system or East Indian system that in essence are looking at the moon and all the influences. And even though this seems really woo-woo, this is a five to 7,000 year old system that have been used to counsel kings, mayors, to create cities, plans, and, you know, I hate to say it, you know, when to go to war, when not to, when to take action. So a lot of decisions, right? A lot of decisions are made that way. And we're talking, for the most part, to business owners. So as a business owner makes a decision, they could employ the same, same type of thinking, right? Or the same uh, strategies? Exactly. So the green days are days of confluence where interaction between people have a greater fruition in the future. So... Actions you take of influence, newsletters, launches, events, these actually will have greater fruition for the effort you put in those days versus a red day. Those are days where all of our minds are working at half mast. And so as a result, work between teams, other things, these are not days to be trying to get attention or have influence. So you can actually use this. We use it in conscious calendars. We test it. I have colleagues who tested and said, oh my God, I knew the meeting wasn't going to go well on a red day. 
nothing happened. We went in circles. We should have just ended early. Yeah, you've seen the results of that. Now, you've worked with countless entrepreneurs and CEOs of companies who've, again, similarly employed some of this thinking. Can you give us some examples of how you've seen a CEO employ this in their, in their, own, in their own businesses and the effect of that? Well, one of the first ways that people often begin using it is they come to me for a launch. So like there was a half a million dollar launch. Their goal was just 250K. It ended up being half a million launch. They had incredible support team. I become part of the team and actually help choose those launch days. And it was a classic go from this platform to that platform. So it was about a three month launch. And they used all of the green days and they ended up getting double what they had actually originally planned. From there, then they actually began employing using the green days for their teamwork as well as other important announcements and saw things scale on those days. So they continue to use it or they continue to, uh, I guess, follow the calendar. Exactly. Yes. Do you see a lot of people, do you see a lot of people that you've worked with uh, sort of take that on as uh, part of their, their, I don't know, I guess it's not a daily ritual, but a part of their uh, planning ritual? Oh, completely. I now have people who run their own podcasts or are like, oh, I want to make sure I do interviews on green days. Other people notice that the teamwork is so much more effective. Like we've even tested in conscious calendars. Staff is off on red days and yellow days. We just watch the tickets come in of people <laughs> needing more help because yellow days are a little more um, turbulent or technology could go off. So you can use all of it to your advantage in that if there's like a huge presentation and it's not about only choosing green days. It's always about being proactive with whatever is going on, right? Because we all have to be nimble and just having that tiny little bit of advantage knowing if you have a huge presentation that you want not only plan B, but plan C and other things in place. And there's also an ability to kind of scale emotions on some of the yellow days sometimes, but I don't like to, you know, encourage manipulation with these uh, energies, but they can be worked with and however someone chooses to. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so any of you got a yellow day or a red day, you might be able to influence matters. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I, I, had, uh, I had one counselor who, she did write wonderfully provocative posts, but we tested both in uh, the past and then present moving forward that on yellow days, in particular certain yellow days, when she would post, she would get 10 times the response on the posts because they were provocative and people can be a little more impulsive I see. on certain kinds of yellow days. So you actually get kind of a bigger scalability sometimes. Some of the Apple launches, they're often on green days, but they announce it on a yellow day. Hmm. You can't tell me they weren't using Vedic astrology. Oh, uh, you're saying actually, you think Apple is actually as one of their determining factors using a Vedic astrology as well? Before Steve Jobs died, I, I looked at all of the days and they were the team clearly had some other counsel, I think. <laughs> well, interesting. Yeah. And you've probably seen that similar with other companies as well, right? Part, part of the many influences that uh, business owners use as they make decisions on when to do things. Right. And as you know, like you mentioned in your intro about working with Elon Musk, that basically when there is energy with these big, huge influencers and entrepreneurs, you can't get in their way. They also, those who have it, have it. They sometimes don't need to truly check. The teams maybe check, but these people are moving forward at such a pace and they are doing things. And I tested, even looked back when Tesla was founded at both of its iterations, 
they were some of the most stellar green days. And he wasn't using any of that. I mean, when people have it, they have it. Yeah, a lot of these people, and I see the same thing as a lawyer. I mean, a lot of the business owners, the visionaries, they just steamroll everything anyways. They're just such a force of nature that uh, things are swept up in the, I guess, uh, in the chaos that they create as they go and, uh, and, and do, go about their business. Um, and that's actually something to be aware of as well. And for anybody supporting any of these visionaries or any business owner that is like that, to be aware that it's one of the things that is going to be influencing outcomes. And of course, you're looking at these things as well. Uh, you've come a long way from, I mean, let's talk about that because you say it sounds like a bit of a stretch because you've come a long way from your own formal education as well, haven't you? Uh, can you tell us about what you did originally and how you got to where you are now? I'd love to. I do feel that a lot of my uh, place here now is related to the fact that I lived in Taiwan as a baby. And that influence affected my father as a practicing physician, and he integrated it into his work. As an adult, I was on the path to be the family doctor. So my grandfather actually helped found some of the original teaching methods in medicine at MCOW or the Medical College of Wisconsin mm -hmm. in the 1920s and 30s. And my father was head of medicine at UT Houston. So I was on a very, very strong path to be the family doctor. And I love science. So I got a degree in biochemistry because I got to have both biology and chemistry. And at some point in college, I realized I wanted to practice Chinese medicine. So I was going to jump through the hoop, get a medical degree, you know, Doctors, lawyers, we know how it is, right? You mm -hmm. jump through hoops and then you can kind of do the next thing, have a solid base. And I ended up finishing a year of medical school and quitting because I knew I wanted to so much go to Chinese medicine school. Mm -hmm. I took a little time off and worked in neuroscience at Baylor College of Medicine, got to be like one of 100 people working on this really amazing, uh, you know, acetylcholine nicotinic receptor in the brain. And that fueled me to then move to Chinese medicine, had a successful practice as Chinese medicine. I still have people knocking on my door asking me to do acupuncture and herbal medicine. Loved it. But when I came to Indian astrology, I didn't even know it was Indian astrology. I just went for a consult. And that opened a door that within a year and a half, I was studying and I just kept testing it and said, oh my God. This can help people with their profession. This can help them with their health. This is incredible. It can be used in so many different ways. And I would do a two-hour interview in Chinese medicine to make sure I got everything for full health history and a treatment. This, I can use 10 minutes. And I have a view that would take me longer in Chinese medicine. So I can look at consciousness and karmas and patterns, business, love, family. It, it's in honor to do this work. Wow, and so you've got, you certainly got the uh, uh, pedigree. I mean, you talk about your father, grandfather, so sort of a background in, uh, I guess, Western medicine. Uh, and then uh, through your own studies, explored that, and obviously uh, came across some uh, Eastern philosophies that uh, obviously were striking to you. It's fascinating to hear how quickly you find, and you know, we've seen it both ways, but how quickly you find now you can drill down to what you're looking for. Now, let's put some of this in the, in the practice. We talked offline, but uh, can we do a little, bit this, a little bit of this for the millionaire's lawyer? We talked about uh, the launch and growth of uh, the podcast. Obviously, we're 40 episodes in, going well. We've got a book coming out uh, at the end of this month and, uh, of course, uh, subsequently thereafter. So, obviously, things continue for the millionaire's lawyer. 
what kind of uh, phase are we in? Uh, are we in a green phase? Are we in a, is it a good time? Or are we, are we uh, uh, expecting turbulent or choppy waters in the future? There are two to three answers to that. In short, in the year 2020, there is a zone. I sometimes call them golden zones. There is a zone where there is a confluence coming up for about three months where there's complete overlap. One of those influences will be lasting five months, but there's a complete overlap for three months, which is in, uh, in particular a zone that will be expanding upon currently creativity in the month of February is expanding for great creative ideas. What's interesting is the confluence is actually only the first step. The full fruition actually comes to bear in 2021. The second influence has to do with Saturn, and this has just shifted for two and a half years. And I can go off on it a little bit in a little bit, but just understand that Saturn actually influences larger social patterns. And when we look at the chart of the United States, this bodes for a leveling off of GDP, in particular, the manufacturing sector. So you can look at individuals, you can look at charts. I've done, I love American history. So I've looked at the global influence of American history for over 150 years and going back and looking at phases. The third influence has to do with Jupiter, and that's where that confluence is coming from for three months this year. So we have a little window, and then it's going to get a little roughly uh, in the middle of the year. And then by the end of the year, that is the beginning of the forward moving of what was begun in 2020, where we'll actually see the finishing of some people, it will be their life's work to finish a book <laughs> like mm-hmm. JP's. Um, and this is a very, very important time for people to either do their memoir or to actually finish a book or to do their life's work for the next two and a half years and to begin it this year in that window is fantastic. So the window, yeah, the window's open right now. Interesting how you say you can see it from both the micro and macro level and very helpful people think and thinking about trends, but certainly as you describe life work or launch of things, and then it sounds like it's actually going to be good for business as well, or uh, there's a good uh, opening or a good window for business owners as well. Would that be fair to say? Oh yes, entrepreneurs, especially creative entrepreneurs, that is going to be an incredible time of production. And then it can be scaled starting the end of 2020 and will begin to really have much more of a forward movement in 2021. Okay, so it carries right through as well. Um, now, you have uh, obviously done a lot of reading on this and you provide this uh, to your own clients uh, in, the, in the form of a, a number of different uh, materials. Do you want to talk about how you actually disseminate those or what you share with, I guess, your audience? Yeah, that's what we were talking about with the Green Days. So the calendars are actually a universal calendar. It might seem wild, but I look at five locations around the world before sunrise every single day, a year in advance. So the calendars are universal energies. They're a pulse of energy about what is available for the day. It does not necessarily say that each person will have a perfect day on green days, but the calendar is simply color-coded. There's green, yellow, red, and most people subscribe. So they subscribe to the calendar, the forward-looking people get a year, and use that in their personal lives as well as in their businesses. And then if people choose, they do individual work with me. And so some people do work on launches. Other, others just want guidance uh, personally because of you know expanding in the family. And they have the work as well. So we talk about how to have that 
work-life balance. So I work with entrepreneurs from coaches to I do have the luck of working with people from Silicon Valley, people who have started their own million-dollar and multi-million-dollar companies. And as you know, we had talked about, this is what I love about our conversation really, is that we have the luck of working with just such interesting, intriguing people. And they, as we, as we were saying before we start recording, right? Yeah, a million dollar company, even $2 million company doesn't mean they themselves are a millionaire. So that is really what I think is great that we can talk about, JP, is how does someone go from, you know, maybe smaller to increasing their revenues, but really how to set it up or redesign a company to be able to exit. That's really what I find interesting because I've been able to counsel people to say, yes, do this, and they can scale it. But according to their individual timing, sometimes they have to tread water a while. Sometimes the turnaround is fast. And it's really, have you noticed that? That some oh, people yeah. it's short and some it, it takes a lot longer? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. That's the intersection of our two expertises as well, right? As you say, we spoke about, and it's it's fascinating. We're able to advise and together coming at it maybe from a different uh, side of things, but working with a client to help them execute. Some do it very quickly. And in fact, some of my clients, uh, they've done it multiple times, right? They started and grown four or five, sometimes five, six different type, types of companies and sold those companies and created vast wealth doing that. Others, as you say, it's a longer course, right? Uh, one of the things that I do with the others that take longer is I encourage them to move it along because sometimes they don't realize that it is available to them much sooner. And I suspect that you're able to do the same thing where you're able to give them sort of a, well, literally looking at the calendar saying, when can we achieve these certain goals or certain goals we're looking to achieve, right? Yeah. Well, on the individual chart, it has to do with their personal karmic timing. So you overlap their personal karmic timing with the calendar and give them specific zones because someone could be individually, we could have a whole string of green days, but if it's not in their karmic timing, it's more about like we'd also talked about, you know, um, stopping bleeding, you know, financial bleeding. Yes. Come, okay, well, let's just do this first and let you catch your breath to be able to do those next steps. So you've seen this a couple of times, right? Uh, and successfully, and I think uh, one of the stories you tell is a uh, precursor to the, the crash, right? Uh, how have you worked with people? Or give us some uh, working examples where you've been able to either encourage, you know, something that to allow someone to go forward or actually caution them about something that may uh, be about to occur so that they can take the necessary steps. Yeah, this one example is in to kind of protect identities, I will throw the net wide, but we will say one of the top five independent builders in the Seattle area prior to the crash, in essence, had a lot of liability on their plate prior to the crash. I took a look at their chart, their power, power couple, three, four people in the company. And basically, I saw not just one, but both were going into a much more modest and simple period of time for 19 years. So I said, listen, you got to move your liabilities off your plate. They were meaning to clean things up with one of their investment partners. And I said, do it, do it fast. They listened, they jumped on it. They were able to clear liabilities off their plate. They still were holding a bit, you know, when the crash happened, but we spoke 18 months before the crash and they were able to make movements to actually be better positioned in those first two, three years. It was still very rough, but they actually had cleaned things up so that things were just much simpler 
for their their turnaround. And they've actually, I mean, they still had a million dollar home. They were fine. But yeah, they able, were able to staunch that because they listened and moved. And not everybody does. There was uh, someone else who was a big investor out of Malta. I took a look at his chart and said, oof, you got three years. You got three years of making good money and then it's going to get very quiet and modest, similar sort of thing. And uh, he sort of listened, but this is also where sometimes the karma comes in. He'd lost uh, a huge amount of investment with a different marketing partner. And within nine months of us speaking, his main business partner, they were multinational. She had died. Wow. Uh, the main force. They worked really well together and quite young in the 50s. So I didn't necessarily portend that, but all I said was make your money now to staunch things. And then sometimes I'll have these sweet, sweet visits with people who, you know, they're coaches and entrepreneurs and and they're just making it. And then I get to look at their chart and I'm like, it's going to be fun. And you're going to be like semi-retired for a while, or you're going to like do okay. And the end of your life is going to be fun and beautiful. And you're going to be able to travel and, you know, and so that's also a joy to, to look at that, that people who maybe themselves aren't millionaires, but are able to kind of, it's like, oh, look, it's going to get lighter for you. <laughs> yes. The things that people like to hear as well, right? Uh, it strikes me that regardless, it's almost like from a coaching perspective, regardless of assessing, you know, the color of the day, pulling out a calendar and charting a future, right, uh, is good advice for any, anybody and any business owner as well, to think strategically, where are you going to be in a year from now? Where are you going to be in three years from now? Where are you going to be in five years from now? Uh, you talk about even retirement. So you can, you can obviously look forward you know, fairly far forward as well and do planning with clients fairly far, far into the future, don't you? Yeah, if they have a good financial advisor and a good attorney, of course. <laughs> I always advise that. <laughs> you always need a good attorney. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought it up. I didn't have to bring it up this time. <laughs> Very important. What's amazing is you can even see in the chart if someone will receive good counsel. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes. So you'll even see if they're not receiving decent counsel. Yeah. Yeah. If they have access to a good attorney or not. And so sometimes I'll tell them to wait and then I'm like, okay, in three months, you're going to find a good attorney. Huh, interesting. So when you say see it in the chart, can you describe to the listeners what that actually means, what we're talking about? Mm. Well, basically the birth chart is simply a map of what was happening at the moment of someone's birth. This is the sidereal system. So this is the map that astronomers use. It's not what Western astrology uses. So okay. that is also why I liked it. It's a little more scientifically rigorous. So that chart is just a map. The difference in Vedic astrology is it's the only system that has this other thing called a dasha or a planetary cycle. So there is the chart, which is basically a map of potential and a combination of our free will of what we've done with our potential. Mm -hmm. We can see that with this planetary cycle, we can see what will be lighting up in the consciousness and the karmas. Like, oh, when you hit this time period here, you're really going to want to have a family. Oh, when you hit here, oh, so what? That you're 60. You want to go get a PhD. Um, and so you can actually see where the interest comes in. And all of a sudden, the consciousness lights up differently and we look at the world and respond to it differently. Yeah, and it's great because you actually introduce her. You're, you're not uh, oblivious to free will as well on this. No, that is very, very important to take into account. It is not that everything is decreed. That's what's beautiful about the Indian system. Half of the texts, so just like in Chinese medicine, half of my all of my texts were two to 3,000 years old. 
Hmm. In Indian astrology, they're that old too, because that's when we started written history. We have oral history before that. So this information is so old, but half of it is saying, oh, here's what you tend to see when people have this consciousness or these karmas, these things tend to happen. And 50% of it is what you can do to improve yourself and improve your life. If you don't have free will, you wouldn't have that 50%. Right. Right. And then, yeah, so you exactly have the ability to work on the things with the knowledge as well that uh, they perhaps you've been able to impart to them as well. Right. Right. And isn't that so much of the human potential world? I mean, that I know you're touching elbows with a lot of people in the human potential world. And then a lot of your multi-million dollar clients are probably from many different sectors, but that I'm sure there's something you've noticed about that, right? With the leaders, whether they're improving themselves or whether they're fiercely focused on improving the product or the company, that is that free will piece. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as you, it's interesting because there is a common element, it seems, uh, whether they be you know, very outgoing or very introverted, there is a certain passion and intensity to the, the ideas that they have and why they think their ideas are right. And they're able to translate that to others and to the marketplace and in so doing create the, the value, the wealth that they're looking to, uh, to do by, by growing their business. That's the one constant I see. And it's interesting, uh, as you say, to think about even Steve Jobs and uh, some of these pioneers and uh, real influencers, uh, because you know, and Steve Jobs talked, I think, uh, in his day about some of the other influences. I recall him talking about how one of the most important classes he ever took was calligraphy. I don't know if you recall hearing that story, but he talked about how you know, the humanities are important uh, and they do influence business as well. A well-rounded business person has a much greater chance of being successful because they can come at it from all angles. Would you agree with that statement? And are you able to work with them to round out their abilities? Ooh, what a great point. I love you bringing in the creativity there. Yeah. It depends, right? It's all about working with someone with what they have. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what's so interesting. Just this past week, I was uh, speaking with a lot of people who are extremely creative, but they're more at that VC deal doing level, right? right. They maybe aren't running the companies, yeah. but they're identifying the companies and scaling them. Or others are in the territory of hostile takeovers. But that takes a certain ability to really know your craft. And so there is a creativity there, but there's also a very technical skill. So if somebody is a little more on the technical side, I'm going to encourage them to do that and then can see where they can partner and where their support is. That is really it, right? Because some people are a little more one lane and that is what's incredible is to sort of see, oh, they just need that other partner or two other people to handle that. You know, like we all know, those of us who produce products or are service-based, yeah, great. Have somebody else build things or market or do research. Yeah, the things that they're good at as well. It's like we said earlier, it's just being strategic uh, in our thinking, right? And thinking about it from all vantage points. And you do that in a lot of different areas as well. You work, do some work on branding as well, right? Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about that? Yeah, it is so interesting. Like sometimes it's as subtle as this is your power color and you know, some people have come to me and they've gone through a whole branding process or they've been told what their colors. I'm like, okay, well, there's your power color, but then there's also different sounds and words that can be used to activate the houses of money or wealth. And those are two different things. So as we know, there's money, but what's left over then can be invested or have reinvested dividends and Mm -hmm. can be pounded or can be built in the company. That's what I love about what you do 
is that you're probably also able to help people identify where they can scale, right? And whether they can scale. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We look at the structure for things. And, and as you say as well, again, we were talking offline, but the difference between, you know, revenue and profit and ultimately wealth, right? The wealth, part of what we do is as we structure things, is set up a structure that allows the earnings to flow through to the business owner, right? After tax, you know, tax is a necessary evil. And so we manage that process as well, strategically, right? So same thing, looking at things from a different angle to make sure that it's being done in a strategic way. Always need to be thinking that. The end goal is ultimately to make sure that we've created the wealth and benefited others in the way that makes the most sense. That's so huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You want to be able to do all that, right? So when you're doing the work that you do with a client, if you've been working with them and they're bumping up against something, are there strategies or the ways that you can help them get through it? I mean, I'm thinking of business owners that you know have, have talked to me and said they've, they've been in a rut or business has been the same for such a long period of time uh, and they're looking for ways to break through or take it to the next level. Are there things that you can do or strategies that you can share with, uh, with business owners that uh, you've seen have been effective in the past? Yeah. And again, I think sometimes that ends up being, ooh, you're spending all your energy over here, which is not giving back. And there are also some periods of time sometimes where it feels like it's not giving back, but it's actually holding steady. And the most important thing is for the individual to actually become nourished or become interested or curious somewhere else in their life. Because there are sometimes periods where it won't feel like the company is giving back or the work is giving back. That's usually about a two-year period when it comes in. It takes about a year to feel it, to, to sort of lead into it. And then the whole second year is like feeling it. And people think that maybe it's not going to happen or they begin losing hope or they're tired or they're fatigued. And there are definite methods to say, oh, look, you have movement here. You know, because it's all about movement, right? So it's about movement and nourishment. And so very often I can see looking at the chart where it's like, you know what? change those expectations. That's half of it. And let's get you nourished here and let's get curiosity and movement here. And then that completely turns things around so that they can shore up their energy and refocus. Right, right. So part of it's timing, I hear you saying. Uh, and then uh, when you say nourish, what are some of the strategies, some of the ways that we can talk about nourishing? Ah, well, that can be, depending on people's budget, that can be everything from vacation during this time. So like coaches, Mm -hmm. I'll be really strategic because they don't have as much income sometimes. And so we can see when income will actually be low. And so it's like either you have to work two or three times harder in that one month or two month period that I can see, or it's like, great, save up. And that's when you take your vacation because it's not happening anyway. And again, it's free will. So I give them many different choices of how to sort of work with and meet that. And then that can help support them. And it helps so much to know, hey, it's going to be flowing. Oh, there's another cycle that sometimes happens is depending on people's ascendant. There's one where it's often a three-year arc where the first month is like, ah, you start feeling it and business starts getting better. The second month is like, ah, jamming, really, really busy schedule. I can't even get people in. And then the third is what I call the show me the money month. It's also sometimes a year in a cycle, in a 12-year cycle. And that show me the money time, people are like, oh my gosh, maybe I should raise my rates. Oh no, when I give counsel, I'm like, you raise your rates in that first month. Right. Then it's jamming in the second. Then you have the show me the money. And then the fourth month is the vacation time because it often drops off. And then people think they've done something wrong because they raised the rates in that third month. They didn't. It's just a part of their natural 
annual cycle if they're that kind of ascendant. Yes. And, you know, that's also translating to business cycles, right? Uh, not necessarily on an annual basis, but certainly yeah, there's a, an ebb and flow to the business cycle as well. And the business owner needs to be sensitive to those. What other things uh, would you suggest people need to be sensitive to as they think about, think about this discipline as they apply it to their day-to-day life? Ooh, what a great question. You know, what's interesting is, of course, I recommend everyone check out conscious calendars, use it, test it, see what you think yourself. And there is a way in which every single person can tap into those inner principles every single day themselves. And I bet you have seen this too with really good executives, JP, is it's that morning time, that quiet time in the morning, unhooked, no media, quiet. Very often, so many of the rockin' executives I know are waking at dawn, they have quiet time, it is kind of in their chart to do it. And in essence, that quiet time is where they are actually literally building intuition, whether they would use the word or not. So whether people use conscious calendars that can tell them the days to really spend longer to unhook, that's the red day, or whether there are cycles to be able to see, oh, it's going to be a rough day, whether you feel it at the beginning of the day or not. So you can use conscious calendars for that, but ultimately the whole point of everything I've ever done, Chinese medicine, this is all about to ultimately help people build their own confidence and their own abilities to then tap into their skill sets of creating that balance between daily routine and being able to have enough quiet time that they're listening to their intuition to stay nimble and resilient. Wow, Kathleen, that's really powerful. Uh, it's a, a very no, noble pursuit as well. As you say, you've dedicated a lot of time and effort to this. If people wanted to access the resources and the calendars and things you're describing here and learn a little bit more about you, how would they go about doing that? That's consciouscalendars.com. Very simple. And I think there'll help be a link in the show notes. Yes. And so people can uh, go, I give away one month of calendars and depending on when you sign up, sometimes you get more than that love to be generous and uh, test it. Take a look at, make sure to follow the training videos because there is information about the red days, yellow days, and green days and check it out. Yeah. Have a look at all those, all those. And thank you for that. As I say to anybody listening, feel free to do see that because uh, there is a lot, there's a wealth of information that Kathleen has uh, assembled on her site and some of the products she's developing. You want to tell us about some of the things that you're working on right now? Ooh, well, I do have a podcast that will be coming out. Thank yes, you so I much. Yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> we will just say it is April of 2020 that it's coming out, mm-hmm. and it will be a daily update with a weekly forecast that might be a little longer. And then I'm looking forward to adding really interesting interviews. That's my biggest thing that I have on my plate for this year. Well, that's a big thing in itself, as I know from uh, developing. And when you're talking about a daily show, uh, obviously there's a lot there. I think you were saying the daily show might, well, actually describe what you anticipate the daily show being. Uh, It will be that I'll be giving people the update. So some of the days will be, I'll be sharing which are the green days. I'll tell them literally on the day, whether it's a green, yellow, or red day, most of the time, not all of the time. And then the forecast will actually be mentioning how many green days might be in the week or what is sort of the energy pattern to be aware of. Will it be more turbulent? Is there going to be uh, more flow? Sometimes a day to look out for. And that will be the main structure. But I'm hoping to include really interesting people like yourself to interview once a month to really dive deeper into some bigger topics. 
That's great. I mean, it sounds like a wonderful format. And of course, a guest like myself on the show could only, I'm not sure if it's going to uh, expand the uh, reach for your listeners, but it can only add, provide some interesting fodder for you to uh, pick through and make sure that uh, you're able to analyze for the benefit of your listenership as well. Kathleen, really appreciate your time here today. I like to uh, end these episodes with something that listeners can take with them through the rest of the day if they've listened to this podcast, or maybe even through the week. It's interesting from uh, the show that we're just completing now here today, you've talked about phases, right? Or I think you've mentioned that it's sort of three month and the five month and leading into 2021. So I think that's something that people can think through. Are there some uh, other things or is there something else that you can leave the listeners with uh, that they might want to think about for the rest of the day or even this week? Oh, specifically for this week. Hmm. Well, the, the level of access to creativity right now is so incredibly strong. So whether you feel you are a creative person and able to sit and write or muse and do some poetry, I would recommend interacting with something creative. It might be listening to music. It might be going to the symphony. It might be going to a concert, um, stopping and listening to some buskers on the street. But wherever you can find inspiration and open to curiosity, curiosity is one of the forms of happiness. So by opening to that, it can actually get your juices going. And the entire month is about that creative juice and flow. Oh, that's great. So when you say curiosity, is one, so you said it was one of the forms of happiness. Yes. Uh, so I love this subject as well. And I'd like to leave people very happy. So curiosity being one, what are some of the other ones as we delve into, into the happiness factor? Uh, well, there is a form of uh, joy and resilience. Curiosity is my favorite and easiest to go to. The other forms of happiness are, interestingly enough, meaning. And mm -hmm. that is a little longer tail one that Absolutely. is all about perspective. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are the two big juicy ones that I like to talk about with the, it's, it's uh, Barbara Fredrickson wrote a book on happiness and she gives 10 definitions from positive psychology on the 10 forms of happiness that we all can access. Could, uh, I know it's, it's a little bit outside of your area of expertise, but can we delve into that a little bit? Uh, when we talk about the 10 factors, uh, I mean, curiosity obviously being one, and I, you're, you are that type. I know that's one, uh, one of the things that you uh, identify with. What are, what are some of the other ones that, uh, that are discussed there and that you know to be relevant for people that uh, are searching out for their own happiness? There's a couple of factors that actually lead into developing happiness. One of them is the ability to intend, not so much intend, but to dream forward. This is about simply seeding the subconscious mind. So the example I love to give is if someone's looking to rent or buy a house and they know they want a porch on the front of the house, then all of a sudden they, as they're driving or walking down the street, are like, oh, that house has a porch, that house has a porch. And you begin seeing more houses with porches and identifying what kind of porch you would like. What's so interesting is it's about preceding the mind. This is where a lot of the affirmations kind of come in. And it's not about preceding that you will have something, but rather seeding the subconscious mind so that when the opportunity arises, you know to seize it. Yeah. And then the second one that goes with that is cultivating intuition. And that's why I specifically mentioned the quiet time, because some people meditate and some people, you know, are still figuring out how or whether they can meditate. There is also something called mindful movement. And just 10 minutes a day of mindful movement could be weeding, could be how you even wash the dishes. 
by slowing down and becoming present with it. Slowing down and observing, reading a bedtime story to your child. This can become mindful movement even in how you turn the pages. So Qigong is a little more of a classic one or how you might walk. But mindful movement has been found to actually seed positivity and happiness, as does intuition, to then also be able to identify when the opportunity arises. Oh, Kathleen, I love it. I could talk with you all day. You're giving us obviously some insight into some of these other things that uh, obviously influence your conscious calendar is one that can do it on a regular basis as we tune into that. And obviously all the other things you uh, describe are things that can be helpful to anybody uh, as they think about their own intuition, their own growth, their own happiness. Thanks so much for being here on the show today. Is there anything that you'd like to leave us with uh, that uh, makes you happy, that attributes to your own happiness? Oh, what I love to do is when I don't know an answer, I make tea or I step outside and take a deep breath of fresh air. Well, I don't know if you have to go out and have tea because you've been able to answer all the questions I put to you today, but it sounds like a breath of fresh air would also be very welcome. Kathleen, thanks so much for being on the show. We're uh, delighted to have you here. Thanks for everything you shared with us. And as I say, we'll put everything that we talked about in the show notes so people can go have a look and perhaps research some of the things that you're working on further. Thanks again so much for being here. Thank you so much, JP. You are fantastic. Thanks for listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmcavoy.com. That's jpmcavoy.com.